Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back. Today is all about content marketing and inbound marketing. So I actually have Spencer Powell who runs Builder Funnel and Builder Funnel Radio to talk all things inbound marketing for contractors. So check it out. It's an awesome open conversation between the two of us. Hope you like it. Thanks. What's up everyone? Welcome back to Contractor Growth Networks. I am Logan Schinholzer and I'm here today with Spencer Powell from Builder Funnel. Spencer, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Of course, dude. So just to kind of lead off with everything, guys, the whole point of, of having Spencer on here is instead of looking at somebody else that does a lot of the same stuff that we do as competition, there's really so many contractors out there that like, I think just need a bit of help and, and you know, understanding like what the first step is with all this online marketing and online world is. So I wanted to have Spencer come in there because sometimes you got to have your friend's parents tell you how to do something because <laughs> otherwise you don't listen to your own parents. So that's really the idea of having Spencer on here. So Spencer, I appreciate you jumping on and I'd love for you just to kind of start off with, just give us a background of, of your story and, and where you're at now with everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, thanks again for for having me. I'll kind of start, start at the beginning, which for me was kind of the 20, 2009, 2010 timeframe. And that was when like Facebook business pages were the like new hot item and everybody was trying to figure those out. Like how do we use Facebook and social media for business? And so um, as I got more into that world and started looking at blogging and Facebook and Twitter and how all these things could be used for business, um, really that was kind of what got me into the field. And um, my dad at the time had a direct mail company and he said, hey, direct mail's like tanking. I got to figure out this digital marketing thing. Do you want to just come over here and help me figure it out versus doing your own thing? And I said, sure, why not? And so that's where we really got started was, um, you know, kind of as a division of a direct mail company. And so we went through this process of transforming this kind of legacy business into more of a modern agency. And our family's been in the building business for over a hundred years. So they were kind of our testing ground first client and that's what kicked us off. And then really it's been about 10 years of just building that and, and building out a, an agency where we only work with builders, remodelers and contractors doing all the digital stuff for them. So what's it like for you working specifically just in that industry of the builders, remodelers, contractors? Sorry, you said what's worked or? Yeah, yeah. What's it like for you? Like, like, what do you like about working specifically with those trades? Yeah, I think, you know, when we first started, it was kind of like an easy place to start because we had family in the industry. But um, mm -hmm. the more we got into it, I liked it from a lot of different aspects. I mean, one, I can see how it kind of connects to everything else. So it's like, hey, if we're helping these businesses grow, they're building more that spurs the economy. It moves everything forward. You know, if they're growing their businesses, it's improving their families' lives. They're hiring more employees. It's improving their lives. So there was just like a, a lot of ripple effect that, that I was really drawn to and got me excited. And then just from purely from a business standpoint, uh, as a marketer, I feel like you always have to be um, finding your unique angle and what sets you apart. And if we were just serving anybody, then it would be really tough to market our own business. And so uh, between those two things, that's what really kind of got us down mm -hmm. that path. And do you still work with your family? Because I know you said you started off, you know, doing stuff with your dad, and then, you know, your family has like a, a building company. Do you still work with them? 
Yeah. So um, in a couple of different capacities, I guess. So we we worked with my uncles at the time. They had the building business that had been passed down or bought out generations, you know, moving forward. And then uh, we eventually started working with the property management company that's also in in the family. So we, um, you know, helped them generate leads for the building business. They also had a remodeling division. We helped generate leads there. And then there's a couple of retirement communities that they uh, built and then now manage those properties. So we do help them generate leads there. And then uh, with my dad, he uh, eventually sold off the direct mail side of the business, and now he's still a, a co-owner in this uh, this business in terms of the agency side. Oh, nice. Oh, so you are still working with your dad pretty, I guess, day-to-day then, huh? Yeah, he's mostly out of the day-to-day. I would say um, it's more a strategic role. Um, but yeah, we worked um, probably, you know, day-to-day. It was probably a good seven, eight years, and then the last, you know, two or three um, he's stepped back uh, quite a bit, and now we just, you know, meet once a week and talk strategy and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Does it ever spill? So, like, my dad, I mean, that's how I started doing all this stuff was marketing for my dad's company. For you, does it ever spill over, like, at Thanksgiving time, like, <laughs> talking back about business? Or do you guys have one of those, like, it's the iron curtain, we're not bringing this stuff up today? Yeah, great question. And I love the family business dynamics. You know, it's super interesting. Um I think for my dad and I, we've we've had it pretty good. He uh, worked with his dad, his brothers, his sisters, and then also his father-in-law, who he bought the direct mail business from. So mm-hmm. he's seen a lot of family dynamics. And I think when I came into the business, he was able to take all that and go, this is how I want it to be. And he has done a really, really good job of just, um, I don't know, letting me run with stuff and being there as a mentor. And uh, we're both pretty similar too, so we don't have a lot of disagreements. Uh, we kind of think the same way, so I think that part of it was just a little bit lucky. But he's definitely set us up for success. So, like we talk about business um, all the time, whether it's you know Thanksgiving, like you said, or uh, just one of our weekly lunches. And um, yeah, we we've been fortunate. We haven't had a lot of ma- major disagreements or anything like that. So yeah, it's funny because I'll be here uh, in the office and I'll be working and. They'll hear me talking on the phone like they don't know who I'm talking to. And I'll be like, that's not a good promotion. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> okay, fine. I love you, too. So it's like, you're like yeah. is that your dad? I'm like, yeah, that was him. So, yeah. so it's not every day that you get to say it. Like for me, like to a client, but it, it's always fun because we we spill over a lot. I know it just like when we get together, like we just spent Christmas as a family and we just it ends up just coming up and just it goes back and forth of personal and then business and personal. So it's it's definitely brought us closer, but it does also keep us both on our toes, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's personal and work. It's all blended. So it's tough. It I feel like it's tough to draw the line and say like holidays, we don't talk about this. It's like, it's probably going to come out. Cause it's like, what are you working on? Like right now? So yeah, 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 we're yeah, on the same like, group text and everything. So like, I'm not going to be like, Oh, this is what we were saying, you know, like don't say it, talk about it. So yeah, yeah. it happened. No. Awesome. Uh, cool. Just as a segue to kind of get in all the marketing stuff, can you just uh, give us a rundown of Builder Funnel. Like I know I initially found out about you because I just I started listening to your podcast. I was like, man, this is this is pretty good. So could you just kind of run down everything that Builder Funnel is as a whole? Yeah, for sure. So we take the approach of inbound marketing, which is mm-hmm. um, basically the philosophy of, hey, we're going to be out there creating so much value for our target audience in the form of blogs, videos, podcasts, basically content and 
because we're creating that, we're going to pull people into us. So the whole philosophy of inbound is trying to pull your target customers into you versus like outbound where you think of traditional like TV, radio, billboards, where you're just kind of like shoving a message out there. You're trying to be targeted as much as you can, but you really you're not sure like who actually needs what you're offering at that moment. And so uh, that tends to look like blogging, SEO, social media, um, some paid channels, and then a lot of like lead conversion on the website and email marketing. So those are like a lot of the nuts and bolts, but the overall philosophy is, hey, we want our clients to become thought leaders in the space mm -hmm. by creating really great content and educating their target audience. And if you do that, you're gonna do a number of things. You're gonna build brand, you're gonna drive leads, um, but it's also not a, a quick win you know, thing. Uh, there are some wins you can get along the way, but it's, it's a long-term strategy, but I think it's a very uh, rock solid long-term strategy. So if you're looking five, 10 years down the road and you're going, hey, I'm trying to build a real business here, uh, it lines up really nicely with that. And how did you get into that? Like, why did you decide to do more on the inbound side of things versus go into TV, radio, commercials, billboards, which is more on the, let's just go based off demographics and hope that it works? You know, it it really clicked with me personally because mm -hmm. I knew like if if I got a cold call or somebody was reaching out to me or blasting me with a message, um, it was kind of like, well, I don't know, maybe I'm not even in the market for that. And inbound was a little bit, um, I don't know, it was just more in line with the way people shop and buy. So, hey, we go to Google, we start typing in questions, you know, we're, we're looking for something. And, and then as you continue to research, you might take that next step and fill out a form or ask to talk to somebody. And so when you have that initial conversation, they've already been kind of seeking you out. And I just liked that methodology. And I think the core of it too is providing value first. And I like uh, that just resonates with me. Like, hey, I'm gonna put some value out there and then I know it's gonna come back to me. I just don't know like when and how, but yeah. it will. And, uh, and it makes sense just with that big shift in the way we shop and buy. So the old model was like, hey, I'm gonna go into a store and I need a TV or something. So I'm gonna ask the sales rep all the questions. Well, now you go online, you do all your research from, you know, your bed on your iPad. And that's how people buy, you know, remodeling projects, how they buy, you know, stuff in our industry, too, is they're sitting there at night and they're on their iPad and they're typing stuff into Google. And so it just mm -hmm. it just clicked on a lot of levels for me. So as far as the, the inbound stuff goes, when you start to work with a client, like let's say a remodeler, how do you set it up to say, look, this is not a quick win. Like, you're, you know, we're not going to start SEO and you get 50 leads by this time tomorrow. I mean, what does your normal conversation sound like when working with somebody new? Yeah, I definitely set the expectation like, hey, you got to commit to this for a year. And mm -hmm. if you're not willing to do that, then, you know, it's probably not really worth it. Um, however, that being said, most websites are getting some traffic right now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we have some benchmarks that we look for in terms of uh, lead conversion rate. So let's say uh, you're getting, you know, a thousand visits a month to your website, which that may be high for a lot of people listening. Maybe you're getting a few hundred. Even if you're getting a few hundred, you're probably getting a couple of leads or something like that from your website. Well, most uh, remodelers are not capturing what we would call top of the funnel leads. So somebody that's like, yeah, I want to remodel my kitchen and they're kind of dreaming about it. And they're, you know, looking at Pinterest boards and ideas and they're like, 
nine months away. You know, well, when they hit your website, they're not going to reach out and talk to you, but they would download something like a kitchen design guide. And so we can pull them in, capture a name and email. And so by implementing that strategy, we can get some quick wins and start showing, hey, we can actually generate more form submissions, more leads uh, within the first, you know, 30, 60, 90 days than you're getting now. Although you have to understand that some of those leads probably aren't ready to buy. So we're building the pipeline and you can see the wins. Um, and then obviously things just like driving more traffic from social, or maybe we do a little bit of paid ads to accelerate that a little bit. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely being upfront about it. Like, hey, what we're trying to do is year one is get as many quick wins as possible, but we're building the foundation. Like there's a lot of stuff that's missing right now in terms of content SEO, and we got to put that in place. Yeah. So with, with that, I mean, let's say you get them top of the funnel, which funnel being like the, the marketing funnel, but top of the funnel, like they're just trying to, they're in the research phase, if you will. What does that do for the relationship moving forward? So let's say kind of back to what you're talking about. They're nine months out. I mean, where do you go from there? You got their, their email, you collected their stuff, you gave them the guide. I mean, talk to me about like that, the building the relationship using the online world. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you got their email. So just like, email them every day and ask them if they want to buy, you know? So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's really a good opportunity because once you capture their email, now you have one of the best ways to directly communicate with this person and you can do it at scale. So a lot of people think, Oh gosh, now I generated these 20 leads and none of them are ready to buy today. They're garbage leads. They're junk. Well, I would argue they're really not junk and, uh, and potentially, you know, those are perfect leads, but nine months from now. And so the idea is, hey, how do we start to build this relationship with them so that you're a part of that journey? You know, they're Googling design ideas at the beginning and they just want to dream. And then they're like, oh, I could actually do this. So how does this work? How long does it take? What does it cost? You know, they have those questions like, what's the process? Does your team help me with design? And then as they get to the bottom, they're like, well, which company is right for me? And now that I know like how this is gonna work. And, uh, and so the idea is that if you're providing them with educational content throughout this journey, you're sending them an email, links to a blog, it links to a video, it links to a project, it links to an award you want. You know, you can just continue to send this and then you can occasionally say, hey, and if you ever wanna talk about your project, book a call, click here. Um, and so you give them that opportunity to take the next step, but knowing that you're never gonna force somebody to remodel their kitchen today if they're not ready. You know, So the idea is I'm just gonna be here, I'm gonna be with you, I'm gonna be helping you. And so now when we fast forward nine months and they're looking at three different companies, you've been building your brand, you've got so much more trust, especially if you've been doing video and they've seen your face and they can kind of connect with you, like you're ahead of the competition, you know, by by a long shot. So let, let's keep going on that without the video. What? Yeah. What's the benefit of, of having your face continuously show up in someone's inbox or, you know, on, on ads or YouTube? Yeah, great question. Um, I think a few years ago, I, I wouldn't have been as passionate uh, about it or as, as strong of an advocate, but I've seen it really heavily in the last few years. Uh, especially just for for myself and my, you know, we try to be our own best case study and practice what we preach. And what I've noticed is like, if I go to a, an event, I'll have people that will come up to me and say, oh, I've been listening to your podcast or I've been seeing your videos all over LinkedIn or Instagram. Well, 
I have no idea who this person is, yeah. but they know who I am. And they feel like they feel very uh, comfortable approaching me because they've seen my face. They feel like they've met me almost because they've interacted with me, you know, online just by viewing me. And so what I've found is that it, it is kind of a, a branding play once you've actually pulled that person into your funnel, so to speak. So it's like, okay, I've pulled all this, um, this audience into me and I've generated awareness and now I'm deepening like their relationship with me. And I don't think there's a better way than video right now to do that. You know, email is great. It is powerful. Photos are good because they can at least see you. Um, but then the video, they feel like they really get to know you. And so I think that's why it's that next level for me. So if you can incorporate a few videos along that journey, uh, mm -hmm. whether they're on your website or you kind of drop them into an email and they can click and view it, uh, it's huge. Yeah, because I know a lot of a lot of people that are, I guess, more hesitant to really jump on the online marketing game. You know, they go, well, it's I just got to meet people face to face because that's how I sell. And they yeah. disregard the fact that when you're on video, yes, you're not physically touching them. However, your body language, your tonality, your the words you're saying, that all still gets across and it gets across at mass scale. So it's, it's, I mean, I had that discussion with my girlfriend today where she said, why don't you go try more networking things around Charlotte here? And I'm like, first off, you know, I'm not a local company, so it's, right. it's a bit different. I was like, but I could put all this time and energy into trying to get one client, or I could take that same amount of time and energy and just spread it out to the masses on. Like I had a guy call me an hour and a half ago, wanting to work together because he found our YouTube videos. So it's just the, yeah. the mass scale of things. It just makes it way easier. Well, on that note, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, so the guy found your YouTube videos and he got to know you, he watched you, you know, who knows how many he watched. Uh, the, I think the best part of that is that you might have created those YouTube videos a year ago, but it doesn't matter. You know, so with inbound marketing, you're creating these assets for your business where you write a blog uh, versus if you create like a magazine ad or, you know, a billboard, you have to pay to create it and then you pay to distribute it. Whereas online, you pay to create it and then you post it for free, free distribution, unless you put you know, some paid spend behind it, but then it lives there forever. You don't have to keep paying to put that same blog up there. It lives there. And so we've seen blogs going back three, four, five years where somebody will come in today and they're like, oh, I read your blog post on XYZ topic. And I go back and I'm like, that was from 2014. Mm -hmm. Great. You know, so you start building this snowball and it really starts to, to build up. So I, I love that example of yours because, yeah, I don't know when you created those videos, but I'm sure somewhere a year ago, somewhere six months, somewhere recent. Because it all takes time. It's, I mean, just like you got to build trust when you show up to B&I or networking groups, Google's got to build that trust with you. So it's all, it, it's tough, you know, it's a tough sell sometimes when I talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, if we do SEO, how long is it going to take for it to work? And it's like, there's so many factors. It's yeah, 200 or more, you know, yeah, so, like, there's so many things like we could do all this stuff. And if you get, you know, three one star reviews back to back, that that kills everything. So yeah, you might be toast. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. one of those. So with with all that and the inbound and the content, what kind of content should people be working like? Like what what should they be putting out there? You know, I guess both, you know, blogs versus videos. And then what? topics or themes work like what makes sense to put out there yeah so i'll give you kind of a, a broad answer and then i'll give you like my best tactical answer um the broad answer is answer your prospects questions so the easiest way to think about it is 
you're in the sales process, somebody calls on the phone, or you go out and meet them at their home, or they come to you for the first time, think about all the questions that they ask. And, and if you're listening to this and you haven't done this before, on your next several sales calls, you know, write those questions down as you hear them come up. It might be like, hey, how does the design process work? Or how long does it take before we you know, start you know, knocking down walls and doing that sort of thing? Or can I live in the home while we're remodeling? Uh, mm -hmm. How long does it take? What does it cost? And so they have all these questions. Well, if you start answering those questions in the form of blogs, video, podcasts, whatever that content piece is, then now you have that opportunity when those people that you're not meeting in person are typing those questions into Google, now you can start pulling them in. And so I think that's mm -hmm. like the easiest way to think about what do I write about? If we wanna get really deep in the weeds, we talk about keyword strategy and keyword research and what are people searching for? Um, and that probably is a much more detailed discussion. Um, but what I found are just some of those core questions that people ask are oftentimes the best performing um, blogs or topics. And then I'll give you the tactical answer. What we've seen in the last two years, cost, right about mm -hmm. cost. Nobody wants to talk about cost. They feel like, oh, I'm giving away all the answers. It's like all oh, your competitors know what this stuff costs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, there's no secret here. They price stuff out every day just like you do. Um, but your customers have no idea what it costs or they have very general uh, you know, guesses or they've seen a couple of things. And so if you're willing to openly talk about cost, talk about it in a range. Hey, a kitchen's going to cost between 80 and 150,000. Here's why it might be 80. Here's why it might be 150. You know, talk about, you know, moving walls versus not cosmetic changes versus structural. You can talk about finishes, talk about all those things. But now when somebody types that question in and you're the only one talking about it, you know, you're starting to you build that traffic pretty quick. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Marcus Sheridan. So like, they'll, you know, yeah. I, I think I mentioned like they ask you answer probably like once a month on these podcasts just because of how and I, I get clients that will call me up that will say, hey, this is who I am. I just read they ask you answer. I want to talk to you about blogging. And I'm like, cool. Like it's Perfect. job yeah. sold because that book does such a good job. He, he's a good speaker. Like I, I, we've had him speak uh, like at CSA events a few times. So like he's talked about other things as well. And he's like fantastic with it. But that's always yeah, a staple incredible. book of of just like go read this and this is how everything works. So yeah, yeah. It's and it's the easiest way to to get started because I feel like that's a big barrier for a lot of remodelers is how do I think of topics? And like, that's the easiest way you're hearing them every day or every week when you're talking to people. Yeah. So with that, I mean, would you suggest starting off blogging or would you go for video first? I mean, what would be like step one if somebody goes, all right, I got to do content. What do you think is, is the first step that they should be taking here? Yeah. I mean, if I had it my way, I would say, uh, I would say start with video and then convert it into a blog and embed the video in the blog. So, mm -hmm. you know, best case scenario is both, you know, which is probably not a super great answer, but I think that's the most valuable answer. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people are not comfortable in front of the camera and it takes time. So my, I guess, second answer would be start with blogging because it's easy to get into the game and practice creating content. Plus, those assets will live for you forever. They'll be on your website. You can always go back to them. You can update them. You can improve them. So just getting the ball uh, moving forward is a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. But honestly, I would say even if you're going to start with blogging, 
I would say start shooting some video and even if you don't publish it, just shoot it and delete it, shoot it and delete it, you know, get the reps in because um, when I look at my first videos from 2010, I, I want to puke. They're just, I, I'm like so embarrassed. They're terrible. They're still on YouTube today. Hopefully yep. no one finds them, but, uh, but yeah, today I'm a lot more comfortable, but it's just reps, you know, and it didn't take 10 years to get comfortable, but it does take some time, especially if you're introverted. I'm a natural introvert. So it takes a lot to like really, you know, get yourself going. And so um, that's what I've seen in this space too. A lot of remodeling business owners, um, they are a little bit introverted or, you know, being, you know, on stage in front of a bunch of people doesn't sound super exciting, but uh, just be yourself, you know, because uh, people say, well, I'm afraid to get in front of the camera. And I go, well, that's what you look like when people meet you in real life too. Yeah. So, you know, you look the same. So don't, don't overthink it. Yeah. I just started, um, stand up comedy classes just as like a bucket list cool. item. I and like they're like, make sure if you ever perform, you record it and go back and watch it. Cause you're going to pick up on little cues. And they said, it is brutal to watch yourself at first, so <laughs> but it's, it's also like, you know, your voice is always a little bit higher. So you sound a little bit, you know, more like, girly i guess if you will so it's one of those that it's uncomfortable regardless but you just got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in this scenario so yeah it, yeah i love it <laughs> i always tell people it's like the first like 20 to 30 videos are for you they're not for your clients they're not to sell stuff they're for you just to figure out how you look on camera the amount of times that we've had like i, I learned this the hard way where we would show up to with a client where we would show up to the client's client and do like a video testimonial. And before we would do this stuff interview style, we would just say, okay, tell us how the experience went. And they could be the most talkative, um, super nice person. As soon as you put the camera on them, they don't even remember their name. Yeah. Freeze up. Yeah. And they just totally freeze. So it's, it's one of those that the more practice that you get in, it's like a tattoo. Like the hardest one to get is the first tattoo. And then number two, you're still hesitant. And then number three, and eventually by the time you're, you know, you're 20, in you might as well just go for the Dennis Rodman look at that point and go all in. So yeah, like it, it is, it's a bit, yeah, it's, it's hard for everybody. This stuff is still hard. I mean, the first podcast, I, I'm pretty sure my voice wavered so much. I sounded like a goat, but it happens. So, yeah. Well, and I like that you mentioned uh, kind of converting to interview style. And that's, I think, a good tip for people that haven't done a lot of videos, put somebody else just off camera, just a little bit at an angle hit record and then just talk to them and have them just ask questions. And they can just ask you those questions that you hear in the sales process. Just answer it like you're talking to a prospect and suddenly you're not looking directly at the camera. You're kind of looking right here. It gives you that nice like angle in front of the camera that looks pretty mm -hmm. good. And you're a lot more comfortable, right? Cause you're just talking to a person and then you realize you just recorded yourself talking to a person versus like, I'm delivering this right yeah. to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's what I think most people don't realize is in movies, they never look directly into the camera. They yeah. always look a little bit off to the side. So it's okay to do that versus like, you know, cause as soon as you look into the camera, the first thing that you want to do is then look away from the camera. And then now you look sketchy. Like you're either <laughs> lying or you don't know what you're talking about. So it's, it's a whole, uh, you know, you go to, it's like a snowball effect of issues. So look away from the camera, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the, the video stuff is tough and I'm trying to like get more and more people to do it. So we talk about it, <coughs> excuse me, a good amount. So with that, I mean, we're talking about YouTube, we're talking about blogging. How do you keep up with all this stuff always changing? Cause that's always like one of the biggest frustrations that people have is that, well, I started this stuff and it doesn't work and it could be 
because it didn't work or it could be because, you know, that worked in 2014. It's now 2020. So if people want to keep up with this stuff, what can they do to either make this like Google proof or is there a way that they can just always stay ahead of the curve on this stuff? Yeah, it, it's challenging. I'm definitely not going to lie. I mean, we're in it all the time and it feels like it's always changing. Uh, but I feel like having been doing this for 10 years now, you kind of see these waves and like a couple of big changes over time. But generally, like the philosophy, if you're always following a certain philosophy, you're going to be OK. And that philosophy is generally if you're thinking about the end consumer and just giving them the best experience possible, then generally you're going to be okay. So that that might mean a really in-depth blog article, uh, mm -hmm. a really fast-loading website, a really easy-to-navigate website. So some of these things that are technical SEO factors, when you really think about them, they're factors because they're trying to deliver a good experience for the person browsing the internet. Mm -hmm. So you know, speed, ease of use, and then quality of information. And if you kind of keep those few things top of mind, you're gonna be okay. Uh, in terms of just like tactical ways of staying up, I mean, podcasts are great, you know, following a few feeds or getting on a couple of email lists of people that you know are in the trenches all the time doing it. I mean, we do that for ourselves. We follow like Moz, you know, they're a, a huge leader in the SEO space, but they're not specific to the industry. So we look at them, they're on the like the bleeding edge and we just try to stay on the cutting edge. Um, and so for remodeling companies, you know, there's people like yourself, people like me, there's tons of people that are in the space more often than you are. So just follow those feeds and we're putting out good information for free. It doesn't mean you have to work with us. You can, that's mm -hmm. great, but you can just get free information. And so uh, I think it's just a part of being a business owner is like, hey, I got to stay up on marketing. I got to stay up on sales. I got to stay up on labor trends, on tariffs. Like there's all those different components. And so I would just put it in that bucket. And if you can get on a couple of feeds where you're consuming information, you know, a couple of times a month or weekly or even once a month, um, you'll see when those big shifts start to happen. And if you're paying attention, most of the time you'll even, you'll beat out your competitors, which is, you know, what I always think too, is I don't have to be the first one. I just need to be part of that first wave and then I'll yeah. be all right. Yeah. And I'm glad you, you let off with, there's a few things that are kind of like, no matter what changes happens on the internet, if you're there just to help people and serve them simply and quickly, you're going to win all day long. Like there's, sure. there's so many blogs that we wrote five years ago that are still number one and they're super short. They're like, like 300 words. And you would think that according to today's rules, it would never show up, but they've just stood the test of time because it just helps somebody in a very clear and concise manner. And that's that. So exactly it right. doesn't change. Yeah. You know, it's like yellow pages used to be really big, but if people used to go to the yellow pages to seek out a company to hire, well, now you can run Google ads or do SEO because people are still seeking this stuff out. It's just the technology and the platforms change. So human psychology doesn't change. It's just the actual medium to, to get people there. That's what changes. So I'm glad you brought up the fact that this stuff doesn't, it doesn't change all that much intrinsically. Yeah. And, and people love tactics. You know, I'm one of those people too. I love a good tactical thing, something I can do, but I think you have to start with that framework first or the overall strategy. And, you know, like, like we just said, you know, it's, it's about how do we get the best information to our consumers, the fastest, the easiest, 
and then run everything through that lens tactically. And if you're, you know, then if it's SEO or if it's Facebook ads or if Instagram dies and then we all jump on TikTok, which who knows, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just another platform, but you're still trying to accomplish the same thing, which is delivering good information. And you're just trying to put it where you know people are. People are on Google. Great. I'm going to do things to put it in front of Google. People are on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Great. I'll do things there. You know, and so those are just the mediums, but your, you know, your overall message philosophy will stay the same. So to, to kind of wrap things up, what would be one thing that somebody who is is nervous about doing content, they think it's either going to be a waste of time or they, maybe they just don't need to do it. What would you say to somebody that is giving you those objections? Yeah, good question. Um, I guess I would say fast forward five, 10, 15 years mm -hmm. and think about your, your business and your target demographic. And if you think that suddenly we're going to go backwards, I would say that statistically that doesn't look good. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a predictor of the future, but I mean, it, it's pretty straightforward. You know, like everything is just moving online. The internet is getting to scale. Um, everyone's comfortable with it. We can access it from anywhere on our phones and it's only going to get probably more video audio based because again, those things are easier. So you guys say, okay, Google, find me a remodeling company near me, you know? And so if you haven't adapted to the ease of use of somebody asking their audio device, how to find them something, you know, we do it now with restaurants. It's only a matter of time before we start doing it with bigger and bigger purchases. And so I think, by starting to create content now, you start building those assets and you put those things in place. And so I would say like, if you're just starting today, jump into video, you know, pair mm -hmm. it with a blog, but just, just go for it because otherwise you're gonna slow leak your way into blogs and then you're gonna maybe add video and then it's gonna be two or three years from now. And you know, it, it might be too late and you'll be trying to catch up to the next thing. And so I would say just jump in where we are today, which is video, audio and text. Um, and you can repurpose stuff too. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that would be my take there. That's good. Cause I think if you're the, the power is still like in the small companies these days where like, if it's just, if you're a one man band or it's you and a helper, once those, you know, larger firms, if you will go, okay, let's get an in-house media person. Then they're going to have the capital, the time, the everything to really start to dominate. So, while they're still trying to figure out all this stuff, this is your time to kind of jump in, get your beak wet and start building your brand before the big dogs who have all the resources jump in. And at that point, it it's not too late, but it's just going to be tougher. It'll be a lot tougher. I think that's an awesome point because, yeah, the big money is still in TV and, uh, you know, some of these broad distribution channels. And so if you're online, you can still compete with the big guys. You don't mm -hmm. have to be a hundred person company. Like you said, you can be a one person company, but if you create more content and better content, you'll crush, you know, the big companies in terms of Google doesn't care, you know, they just want to give the, the good content to people. So yeah. yeah, no, that's a great point. Cool. And then I know you're a big reader. So last year, what was the number one book that you read that you would suggest people listening read? Uh, man, it's so tough to pick one. I, I guess I would probably say Growth Mindset. I've read that one a couple of times now. Mm -hmm. And last year I read it, uh, I think for the second or third time. It's The premise is that we all have tendencies to, well, some of us are more naturally growth mindset uh, oriented. Some of us are fixed mindset oriented. 
um, and some of a lot of us have some of both. And so the I, idea is that, you know, if you're going into something, you think, oh, well, I'm not good at that. And so the idea is, well, sure, maybe you're not good at that now, but you can improve in it. And so uh, you see it a lot in school, like, oh, I'm not good at math. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who's, you know, maybe there's some people that are naturally good at math, but most of us just have to learn math and then you get a little better and a little better. And so I, I think it applies really well to, to marketing, what we've been talking about, but also just business in general is, well, maybe you are naturally talented in a couple of areas in the business and then the other areas are weak points. Well, you can definitely hire for those weak points, but I also think you, you can improve in those and you can get better. And so I'm just a big believer in continuous improvement and you're on your own journey like don't compare yourself to where somebody else is. Um, just say, hey, I'm here with this skill and I'm trying to get to here and just start mm-hmm. chipping away and making progress. And then you look back in 10 years and go, wow, I guess I've you know improved a little yeah. bit in, in these areas. Yeah, it's like eating that elephant one one butt at a time. Yeah, for sure. So growth mindset. Yeah, I think Carol Dweck is the author there. Okay, I'll check that one out. I've never even heard of that one. So I'm, I'm a big reader. So I'll check that one out. Growth cool. mindset. Yeah, it's a good one. Cool. And then how does everybody listen? How do they find you? I mean, I want them to definitely check out, you know, your podcast, your stuff. How do they find you? Yeah, great question. I appreciate you asking. I mean, Builder Funnel Radio is our podcast. I would say definitely check that out and subscribe, um, put out a weekly show, and that's going to be increasing soon. Um, and then easiest way to, to connect with me, LinkedIn is where I'm pretty active, uh, Instagram. But if you just Google Builder Funnel or Spencer Powell, you'll see, you know, all the usual links. So, whatever your preferred method is. Um, and you can connect with me there. Cool. Well, Spencer, I appreciate having you on, man. This is awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. I enjoyed it. All right, guys. So I hope you liked that conversation and it made a lot of sense. Do me a favor. If you're watching this on YouTube, just go ahead and drop down below more podcast. If you like us interviewing people on the podcast or type in more podcasts, or if you're actually listening to the podcast, big, big, big favor, put a review below. It really helps us let us know. And every time I go through these about once every other day, just to see are people liking the show? Or are they not? Because I want to pivot if not. So would help me out big time. Thank you guys.